Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of living life with IBD. This is purely for entertainment purposes. This is not medical, health, or even life advice, so do not take anything we say seriously. So obviously, this is our first episode back. Very, very, very excited. Should we do mind and gut check-ins there? How are you feeling? Well, I'm going to be really annoying today. Okay. So I've started dry February because dry January was so shit. (laughs) Slash (laughs) non-existente. So I'm like in that really annoying. Do you remember when I did this before? Really annoying. Obviously, this is coming out on the 24th of Feb. So I will have still been clean by that point. But it's only the 12th. 12 of Feb and I haven't done 12 days of dryness yet I started like yesterday a week ago but anyway I'm gonna be really annoying and being like yeah man I've been sober for a week again I don't have a problem I promise I think I'm doing <laughs> dry, dry Feb so after a week already I'm just feeling on top of the world Are and you? I have no poo stories as a result you do the math unfortunately it'd be like drink 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 (laughs) that's just so boring um when sober it's really weird right again all jokes aside in relation to everyone who thinks I'm an alcoholic the first two weeks when I do because I usually do about three months a year don't I the first two weeks when I don't drink I do crave so much sugar and I really struggle the first couple of weeks yeah I've just been eating cheese every night in bed it's a really good Habit that I've adopted in bed. instead in bed. So I have dinner and then I'm eating in bed. My little cheese board, board. my little addiction that I've replaced with another addiction. What else is on this board? Uh, Gluten free crackers and some chutney. Put love a little accent. <laughs> I love that. And accent. real butter, obs. So obs. yeah, I have a mix of at least four cheeses, FYI. And uh, yeah, I sit in my onesie with my hot water bottle, uh, eat cheese. I'm currently watching Chicago Fire. <laughs> Does anyone else wonder why I'm single? <laughs> oh my God. I, I have mean, crumbs all in I my can... bed. <laughs> That's all I can think about is the crumbs. I'm like, oh my God, I need to wash your sheets. I need to wash your sheets. <laughs> I've actually got them on the wash currently. But yeah, I said to my office the other day, I was like, I, I love Chicago Fire. I don't know if anyone else watches that either, but it's like a really no, easy to not. watch. <laughs> easy to watch. Yeah, everyone else has got a life. It's a really easy to watch show. And obviously there's a load of fit men and women in it. So I said to my office the other day, and they're in fits. I was like, has anyone else noticed that when you see firemen on like a film or a TV show, they're always really fit and then you get really excited when a fire truck goes past in real life and obviously I'm a bit of a perv so I like look they never look like that in real life just I don't know I had a thing for firefighters when I was younger nice I'm not gonna go any further into detail but oh nice is there a story cut that part out so Sarah's just told me a really exciting story that we're not going to be able to play on the podcast but Mm. it was really interesting is that going to be edited too (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, so I've been watching Chicago Fire eating cheese (laughs) instead of drinking. And I feel on top of the world. Considering you're, I know you're a clean freak, like a clean freak. So I'm quite shocked that you eat in bed. I don't mind uh, an occasional, you know, snack in bed when I'm chilling. I've taken it to extremes this week. And I've also, which is really worrying, been in bed by like half six. I obviously work till whatever time at night, but I've just been happy as that. I hear it's so cold in England at the moment. Um, But Sarah, you a little bit, um, because you've been out tonight, haven't you? Yes. So I would like to dedicate this episode and my tipsiness to two people, Lisa and Arnesh. 
you are both to blame for me being extremely tipsy, almost on, we're verging on drunk right now. Um, so thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm feeling fine. I was going to stop drinking for a couple of weeks just to, you know, do a reset. And I was going to wait till that in February. I decided that on Sunday morning, actually. And then I went out Sunday afternoon. So then I said, okay, we'll reset. (laughs) We'll start again You had a great word with yourself. (laughs) That one I would like to blame Alex for. Um, I'm taking no accountability for my actions. And then, yeah, so I'm a little tipsy. Had some really good rosé, some sparkling red wine, which I've never had before. Sparkling red wine. That sounds absolutely disgusting. No, it was actually really good. Sounds gross. I was impressed. That makes me feel like I want to throw up already. How was it? Was it cold? Yeah. Uh, I think what cold oh, sparkling red wine. I can't actually remember. That is, I don't think it was red. Was. It it was red. I will send you a video. Anyways, so that was lovely, and they were so sweet. Honestly, because I'm obviously difficult to feed. That's <laughs> <Just laughs> <so> sad. <laughs> And I walk in and they have this massive like cheese platter, like charcuterie board for everybody. And then they had a whole separate one for me with everything dairy-free and gluten-free and got like this amazing dairy-free cheese. And oh my gosh, they were so sweet. And then Jody- Can we go over there when I come over to Oz, please? Well, they'll be listening. So yeah, that was- I'm inviting myself (laughs) over, friends. (laughs) Exactly. Sarah doesn't have to come, but I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of my friends volunteered me to host another dinner party, similar to the Alice in Wonderland, different theme this time. I'm like, do we remember that I was preparing like three weeks for that? So what are you going to do? <laughs> what theme? I don't know. I wasn't, I, I don't know. And the whole time, one of my friends is like, when is this happening? Have we locked in a date? When is it happening? And I'm like, oh my God, June, June or July. <laughs> Can you do it in May when I'm there? Do you want to do it? Shall we do it? Okay. I shall arrange it. We could do like a live recording from our dinner party. That would be fun. It was a really good day. It was nice to get away from my laptop and all of the work. I think mentally at the moment being tipsy, I'm in a really good place. And (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Ask me again tomorrow when I'm hungover. But for now, we're fine. I've How's you going? Well, it's been a while now since our last recording. I've had some rough days. Well, one weekend completely destroyed me. And I don't even know what it was, to be honest. I feel like there was some kind of cross-contamination. That's the only thing I can amount it to because the pain I was in was ridiculous. And then it went away after like 72 hours and some good medication. But for the most part, I've been okay. I've been eating a lot of chicken and rice, like a lot. I've been adding in some avocado, so we're balancing it. But yeah. And protein shakes. So I think we left off in January or in December that I was going to try and up my protein intake. And I have been. And I've actually for the past week and a bit, I've been starting my day, well, with a coffee, obviously, and a protein shake, which has been (laughs) throughout the day, not five first thing in the morning. Anyways, I won't go into the detail of my addiction, but I've been having more protein, which has been really helping. So what have you noticed there with the increase in protein? Well, I get hungrier later in the day, but that makes sense because I, I just mix the protein powder, like half almond milk, half water. So obviously that keeps me full for a bit. And then I think just energy is going up a bit. I've also been taking the vitamins that I ordered not too long ago. And I think those have been helping. They're prenatal vitamins. Yeah. Yeah. I assumed everybody would assume that, but actually 
I was recommended by a physician at some point, I can't even remember when, to take a prenatal because it did have folic acid or folate acid or something in it that is quite common to be low in people with ulcerative colitis and also people that have taken the medications that I've been on in the past. I have noticed that helps. I just take it twice a day, just taking some kind of like supplement and multivitamin and getting that into my regular daily intake. Because like I said, I eat such a limited diet still. I know I'm not getting the proper nutrition from vegetables between the higher intake in protein, as well as the vitamins, I think they're helping a bit. I mean, I still have naps. I had a nap today, although we did record this morning at 7am and then I had a work meeting till 12pm. You've also said, if I think about um, how January has been for you in relation to your ulcerative colitis, you have, I think you've been really fatigued as well. I think you've been really, really tired. I feel like that's been an ongoing theme pretty much since 2020. been a while. Um, I think everyone's experienced it from 2020. (laughs) February 2020. I mean, 2020, it's such a bad word, but no, that's when I got tested. My iron was like really low and I did get an iron infusion mid 2020. And then I haven't had my iron tested recently. I know I need to do it. I just keep putting it off. There's so much going on in my life at the moment. So it's on my to-do list. But for now, I think- If you haven't done it by May, I'll be taking you. So don't worry about it. Oh, great. Lovely. You can hold my hand. I will. Thank you. Good. (laughs) I'm not joking. You will be holding my hand. My veins are so bad. I'll just be telling all the healthcare professionals off. This is always what I do if I'm ever like helping someone personally. I'm a disaster, (laughs) an absolute disaster, like an advocate or support network because I just go in like full work mode and then I'm even worse because it's someone I love unconditionally. I'm a nightmare. I love that. I do need to get them checked, but I do feel good about proactively taking actions to improve my nutrition and taking control as well. So I am doing most days two protein shakes and counting how many grams of protein I'm getting and eating more chicken and stuff like that. So I think that's helping and it's good to have those because I don't want to constantly have to get iron infusions like it's not it's fucking painful and here they don't do them so in the uk every time i got them they'd hook you up to the machine and then it would be like automated for like the worst part was getting the cannula in but after about like five to seven tries they would eventually get it here they do it manually so they slowly push it in by hand which is so much worse because then it's like moving and were you were you ever offered the iron tablet cell that was it always just the infusion straight up no, it's always been the infusion. I think because my levels have always been drastically so low. low. Yeah. And then to build up the iron and iron can also, from what I understand, can make you quite constipated. And so they that's, never wanted to play. With that's that. why yeah. I was asking because they gave, when I was a kid, this is another great bloody prescription and I know why they did it. I'm not having a go at anyone, but they gave me a load of bloody iron tablets to take. Well, it was a yeah. nightmare because all that happened was I would just be really, really constipated and then be even like in even more pain. I haven't taken any iron supplements since I was a child because it just seemed to be counterproductive for me. I'd be so bunged up that then I'd be so ill yeah. because I couldn't go to the toilet. I'd be in so much pain. And so like any benefit <laughs> to me and my energy levels or whatever, would it, well, they just there. didn't. Yeah, the side effects of the iron tablets completely outweighed any benefits they would have to me. So that's, that's why I was asking yeah. because I know they can be just so hit and miss with people. I'm assuming that's exactly why they did it because every time I've gone to the doctor, they've never even given the option of giving any kind of iron supplement. I think that's with B12 as well. I've been low in that previously. It's always been injections. They've never told me to take the tablets. I think it's 
also a mixture of not being able to digest and absorb nutrition properly. Like it takes a yeah. long time when you're taking a supplement to actually get it into your system. Yeah. And, and if we're not re- absorbing stuff, yeah. we, we might not absorb it anyway. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay, and that's why you need to be, way. yeah. And that's why you need to be so careful about taking supplements because they do have side effects. And if you're completely healthy and whatnot, then maybe taking an iron tablet is completely fine. But I think with us, it's, it's good to take supplements and I'm all for that, but you definitely want to speak with a healthcare professional. Like I was recommended the prenatals to take because they benefited me as an individual, but I definitely think you need to be careful not to play with supplements too much. And ultimately, if you can get to the point of getting that nutrition because a well-balanced diet, I think you can incorporate every vitamin and mineral that your body needs. But unfortunately, it's difficult we're not. for us, isn't it? If we're like, yeah, yeah, we're not in that place whatsoever. I'm not going to say so. it, mom, but if we have loose bowels, <laughs> <laughs> we know we're not necessarily uh, absorbing everything that we're consuming, are we? So oh my god, absolutely. That's not. it. That's the difficulty, isn't it? We know, and I know everyone out there who's listening will be like nodding away to this. We know it's all well and good. Everyone's saying, yeah, you need to eat a wholesome and nutritious diet. We know that. But it's just not possible. <laughs> well, there's two things in there. We know we'd love to eat fruit and veg and love to, you know, when you see those articles that are like, have five to 10 portions a day. I'm just like, okay, yeah. Brian, thanks for that article. That sounds <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> that sounds absolutely fantastic. And then the two, the second thing is we're like, we yeah, that's great. We're like, but we can't eat them because they make us really ill. But also the second thing is if we're not very well or if we're in the middle of a flare or whatever, we're not necessarily going to absorb all of it anyway. So, you yeah. know, we can try our best, can't we, peeps with IBD? Um, but sometimes yeah. our nutritious and wholesome foods are chicken and rice and with a side of potato. <laughs> Oh yeah. Always a potato. I feel like I ate too many potatoes that I'm now on my rice kick, but we'll see how long that lasts. Maybe like another week or two and I'll switch back to white potatoes. Just like switch in between whatever's safe. Oh yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. true. Do you have a gratitude for this week? I do. My gratitude is for our amazing Craig. So I swear he's had more airtime than us, like completely on this podcast. So (laughs) Craig, obviously to everyone, because Craig is very famous in the IBD community. So he's driven to Fight UK. Um, raises awareness by driving his awesome car and he's just been on it takes guts podcast as well which is a wicked episode so please check it out telling his story craig has been awesome throughout january he's been like quite unwell um himself and i would like to take credit for um, diagnosing the fact he had a kidney infection (laughs) (laughs) we were whatsapping and i was like look dr cass here i definitely (laughs) think you have a kidney infection i'm definitely gonna ask if he's all right if we put this in before i tell the whole you know whatever (laughs) that you've got a kidney infection um so he's been like he's been really ill himself and yeah he's just wicked I was a little bit quiet for a couple of weeks because um because of some stuff going on my end and you know he was checking in loads and he knew I wasn't being myself because usually I'm you know stalking everyone what's happening all day every day and um yeah I wasn't really myself so he was checking in loads and he's turned into a really 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 awesome friend and um yeah I can't thank him enough like that's all that's what friends are about isn't it even if you're going through your own shit like still taking time to to check in with your loved ones is so awesome and and I really appreciated it at the time. And for someone I've only known since what we started the podcast, like to have that kind of intuition that something wasn't particularly 100% my end. Yeah, 
I just wanted to do a shout out to him and he's got loads of awesome stuff coming up this year in relation to his own way of raising awareness for colitis and Crohn's. So please check him out. Driven's Fight UK on Instagram. What he's doing in, in the IBD community is absolutely wicked. He's just got a heart of gold and um, just wants to raise awareness. So I just want to do my gratitude to him this week. And yeah, I love you to bits. Definitely listen to his episode. I love hearing different people's stories and what they've been through. And I think he really, he shared a lot on that episode. and. I think I got, obviously knowing he has ulcerative colitis, just from him following us on Instagram and everything. But hearing his story, I think was quite insightful. And just the vulnerability that he showed in the episode, I think was really good. So hopefully it helps a few people that are going through a similar thing. That's the most Northern accent you've ever heard, isn't it, in the UK, sir? (laughs) Well, I mean, I I have been in some business meetings with Scottish people. I love a Scottish accent. I'd just like to confirm but, Craig's not Scottish, by the way. So anyone listening, you, to you Craig. said Northern. <laughs> you said Northern, okay? Scotland's Northern of England. It's Scottish like accent. living in a Northern state of America and then talking about a Canadian, basically. The UK. The UK is Scotland. Scotland's England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, inside, outside. England's a country. <laughs> so they're two separate countries. Huh? I know so that. I'm just going to give you a little geography lesson. I did it for A-level. Uh, <laughs> So Craig is from Craig is from Northern England. (laughs) I do know that, and I fully recognise that. And then yes, however, completely different country. Yeah, carry on. (laughs) I actually. Point being, the Scottish accent is probably the one (laughs) accent from the United Kingdom (laughs) that I struggle with the most. Like I have been in business meetings and I just agree to everything because I feel bad being like, sorry, what was that? (laughs) Although living in the What did you agree to? (laughs) God knows. Slightly concerned now that we're in partnership. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sending you to any business meetings with any Scots now. (laughs) probably a good call I love it though I love their accent it's only yeah when it comes to legal terms probably not the best idea I don't know where he's going with that story but anyway Craig's from Northern (laughs) England he's got he's got an incredible Northern accent which is just awesome and Sarah listened to his episode on it takes guts which is absolutely wicked and uh yeah she just walks at me like wow (laughs) his accent I was like yeah mate we we have different accents in our country it's very very we do all sound very different I do know that it's like a 10 minute drive and you have a completely different accent it blowed my mind living in London and yes I did get out of West London um I did escape Chelsea (laughs) at times I don't want to hear about it she didn't everyone she didn't <laughs> I went to Soho house okay oh, <laughs> in hell, shortage here we go here Favorite we couple. go <laughs> I'm just saying I made it to the east side Soho house <laughs> to Brick Lane. Everybody that hasn't been to London is going to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Anyways, now I really have no idea where I was going with that. Anyway, have you oh, got anything accents. to be grad- great- gratitude about? <laughs> yeah. Have you got anything to be grateful about? Her, let's move I on. <laughs> membership at Soho uh, House. <laughs> there is a person that I'm grateful for who has been extraordinary in terms of just everything. He knows everything that he does and how much I appreciate him, but once more, you're incredible. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. That's all I got. I love it. He's amazing. He or is really. real, I promise everyone. <laughs> he is very real. He helped with designing our new logo, buying me a new MacBook Pro to edit 
the podcast on. He helps with keeping Still me Still waiting sane. for mine. <laughs> we come as a two now, people. <laughs> yes. You date one of us, you date us both. <laughs> Just keeping me sane with all of the work and everything we have going on. So I appreciate all of it. But he is a private person, so I will respect that. Looking forward to Monday. Is he back Monday? No, it's Valentine's Day. Oh, God. <laughs> We're so opposite. This is like anti-Valentine's. I don't even know when it is. <laughs> what are you doing on Monday, Seth? He's away on work at the moment. So hopefully a Skype date or something. We'll see. I mean, I'm excited for you. It's just like, that's my worst nightmare. It's not, though. I've sent you a Valentine's Day present. Me to You're going to love it. From the post office. All right, I'll, I'll record myself opening it for you. Uh, it's slightly inappropriate. So you can send it to me. I'm not sure we can <laughs> post one. it anywhere. <laughs> I did get a lovely Valentine's card, actually. Did you? Yeah. From one Aww. of my beautiful friends, Tanya. It was Aww, very, very so cute. Thanking me for being such a wonderful friend and that she loves Aww. me lots. What does it say on it? It's over there. Like, my wonderful friend who's fun, fierce and something else. It was really cute. That so I texted really cute. And I was having a really shit day last week. So I said it really cheered me up. Oh, I feel like mine's going to cheer you up, but it's definitely not sweet. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make you laugh. It's more awesome. of a humorous gift. Just Amazing. Yeah. It'll, it'll make you like Valentine's Day, I think. Okay. Well, we'll roll with it then. We'll Sarah. report back. I just have Sarah's to. doing a really cool post for our Instagram on Valentine's Day. So this episode will be released after. So please check it out. I wanted no part of it. And you'll see that I have had no part in it. <laughs> If you're not following us on Instagram yet, I feel like you need to. You need to see the behind the scenes and what we're up to and all the funny memes we put out that are very relatable. For sure. So we came across some questions from people in the IBD community. They were looking for some insights, some recommendations, some advice in terms of what they're going through. So we thought we'd run through some of those to kick off and share our personal perspectives on the different topics and questions. We're supposed to be running an IBD podcast there, so I'm quite glad that they are Crohn's and colitis related. Well, we all know how episode one of season one went. So, okay, let's kick it off. I was thinking about going on a paleo diet. Have you tried this? Does this help with reducing inflammation with Crohn's disease? I mean, we have talked about, I guess, tips and tricks and things that we do when we are having a flare and foods that have helped us. I honestly don't think a paleo diet would be the way to go because from my understanding of paleo, it's like like the caveman diet. Is that what it's known as? I think people have called it that before. So a paleo diet typically includes lean meats, fish, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Foods that in the past have been obtained mainly by hunting and gathering. Yeah. And lean meats. Absolutely. Fish. Absolutely. The fruits, vegetable, nuts, and seeds. If you're in a flare, I would not recommend those. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, my views on, I don't even like the word diet. I really don't. Yeah. I, I feel quite strongly about that. And for a variety of reasons, I'm not going to get into because I'll be here for hours, but I struggle, sir, with uh, restrictive eating plans for, again, a variety of reasons. And I think when you eliminate certain food groups, it can be, well, you can get quite distorted about it. You can focus on it too much. You can feel so much guilt. I think when you remove food groups, you're removing a lot of essential nutrients, you know, vitamins and minerals. And I think when you go on these kind of low carb 
diets, you tend to eliminate foods that are really important for you when you are essentially really ill as well. Like I know we need loads of protein. We need protein and we need, yeah. we need so much nutritious foods. But I think when you take away your carbohydrates, it obviously essentially provide you with energy. That's really quite dangerous as well. And I think for me personally, again, you know, we, we obviously are just talking about personal experience. We're never giving any kind of clinical advice at all because we, we aren't clinicians, but I find that when I'm in a flare, I need things like rice and, you know, like gluten-free grains and things like that. Cause I find them really, really helpful. They're, they're quite easy to digest for me personally. They give me that kind of warmth and the energy that I kind of need and crave that particular day. Cause as we know, when we're going through a flare, we, as you will say, sir, we're going through those 24 hours. We're not thinking about 48 hours. Even we're thinking about getting through that particular day. I've just found before, if for any reason I don't do diets whatsoever, it's not in my life because I've been ill from such a young age, like diets were the least of my concerns, like staying alive was my concern, <laughs> you know? So like exactly. when all my friends were doing Atkins and all that bollocks, I was like, well, Jesus Christ, I'm just going to try and not shit myself today. So you guys carry on, <laughs> you know? So I do struggle with restrictive diets, but I think do your research, you know, because I'm, I'm a big believer it's looking at these n- nutritious plans sometimes, isn't it? And thinking, do you know what? The essence of it might sound quite good. And I know that with paleo, they tell you to not eat refined sugar, which is a, a, a good thing to advise. Again, don't beat yourself up if you fancy a bloody muffin or anything sweet because, well, you know what I'm like with my yeah. carrot cake and chocolate brownie. <laughs> like I've got a very big addiction <laughs> right there. So, you know, but I don't, I, don't, I certainly don't eat them every day. But I think it's that, I think when you you tell yourself not to have carbs and not to have anything, you know, that contains sugar every single day for however long, it's not sustainable. And I think yeah. we're already dealing with flare up and for you to have to concentrate on a really quite restrictive diet I think it's just unmanageable and I think it's knowing your body some elements of these eating plans are really really good and they've got they've got um kind of a good I don't know end result maybe in in sight but I just think that restrictiveness isn't sustainable and my friend said this the other day he's he's working with uh well he's not anymore he fired him but he was working with his PT I thought it was ridiculous his PT had told him that the only way he could bulk up and reduce uh, body fat and it was something else I can't remember he literally gave him a, a diet plan of eating chicken and rice for weeks and I said well I actually queried where this PT had got his qualification from <laughs> <laughs> but I said, to, I said to my friend, that's absolutely ludicrous. My friend quite rightly said, like, he's got a daughter who he loves to cook with when he has her on weekends. Like, he said he, it was impacting his father-daughter time because he wasn't eating anything that he was cooking with his gorgeous daughter because his bloody PT had told him to eat chicken and rice. And like, he hasn't got an IBD. He doesn't have to eat chicken and rice when he's having a flare. <laughs> <laughs> like you know so we we did a, a food plan together incorporating loads of different stuff and because you know I love doing that sort of stuff but I think probably taking some bits of the paleo and I hate saying diet but you know what I mean the paleo diet would help in relation to keeping things very basic and not having processed foods not having lots of refined sugars not having the bad fats things like that I think that's a really yeah. cool thing to do 80% of the time even 70% of the time who gives a fuck you want to live your life life's short you want to be able to go out you want to be able to eat what you want drink what you want with your friends and family as well but feel overall healthy so I think it's more listening to your body and actually mm-hmm. what foods work for you because you could follow this paleo diet and for whatever reason you want to but actually it could make you Fruits and vegetables have a lot of fiber. There are things that everybody's completely different, but when it comes to Crohn's and colitis, there have been 
a trend of people doing better on diets that aren't high in fiber when you're in a flare. And there have been a lot of people that we've spoken with that cutting out gluten and cutting cutting out dairy. And not everybody. I mean, obviously Cass eats cheese boards in bed every night, but (laughs) for some people. (laughs) None of the cheese is vegan. (laughs) Cutting out the dairy, the gluten and high fiber can help. So give that a try. And maybe you are fine with gluten. I mean, I'm jealous. I'm envious, but enjoy it. Go for it. And it's about focusing on what works for your body and what's going to get you through. And I've been there. I've been so desperate at one point in my apartment in Notting Hill. I remember boiling cabbage and drinking the water because I saw on a YouTube video that that can help. And I was having wheatgrass shots and I was going for acupuncture and like all this shit that did absolutely nothing. And I was in the hospital a few days later, but I understand trying to like get to the bottom of it, but I think just be really patient with yourself, have some kind of journal, have some kind of notebook that you're tracking and understanding your symptoms and how they're interacting with the different foods that you're consuming. And food is never going to cure you. Do not fall for any of that. It's There is no cure for IBD, unfortunately, as much as we wish there was. So don't fall for any of that. It's just about things that will help control your symptoms when you are in a, a flare or even like myself. I mean, I still, I don't have any of the major symptoms of ulcerative colitis at the moment, but I still, I'm really sensitive to the foods and things that I consume and alcohol that I shouldn't be consuming, but I still do from time to time. I think, Sarah, the the other really important thing for anyone listening, when you first get diagnosed as well, I think people tend to want to not fix themselves quickly, but they want to really manage their symptoms really quickly. And I totally get it because I felt the same, even though it was a long time ago. But I remember that urgency and that kind of panic to want to fix myself so that I could, well, at the time I wanted to go back to school. That was my aim, you know, but that was because of the age I was at. And I think it's really easy, isn't it, to do a bit of research or like we said before in podcasts, we know as well that people we know who've got IBD or people that know someone who's got someone with IBD has tried a certain uh, nutrition plan, which has really worked for them. And again, it's, it, I think it pins hopes on people that are again, a little bit unrealistic. So I know you really, really want to manage your symptoms really, really, really quickly, but please, please, please remember. And I say this from the bottom of my heart, when you first get diagnosed or when you're in a flare, remember you're really, really unwell and certain nutritional plans They might be beneficial at a certain time, but remember when you're really, really ill with a flare, I wouldn't do restrictive diets. I would do whatever suits you. And that's so important. And please, I know it's so easy for us to say when we're feeling relatively settled and within ourselves at the moment. However, it's, we, we totally understand because we've both been there and, you know, we both are still there probably every month when we're not very well. And it's really frustrating, but just, just remember that your, your digestive system is very different to other people's. Well, we all, all of our digestive systems are completely different. So, you know, I just, I think it's quite dangerous sometimes when people are saying this diet will, will cure you, or this diet will heal you, or this diet, you'll be a different person. It's just yeah. do whatever's right for you. I think that's my biggest pet peeve is when I see people on Instagram being like, oh, I found I cured my IBD by eating this or that. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Stop it. Anyway, well, it just gives false hope, doesn't it? And it and, Completely. And I, and I think other people feel shit if they've got really bad symptoms and they're eating really well and doing everything on paper that they possibly can. And it's re- it just makes you feel like shit. It makes, like, makes you feel like you're doing something wrong and you're not at all. And that's really important for anyone listening to know that. But that's where it's quite dangerous, like 
watching and listening other people talk about certain things, isn't it? Definitely get the medical advice. If you can find a nutritionist that specializes in IBD, find doctors that are willing to talk to you about nutrition, do what you can to find people that are actually qualified. And I I mean, obviously we're giving recommendations, but as we say, we're not qualified. We're just speaking from our life experience and talking about what we've been through, but you always, always find people that are qualified. Please do not go to people that are promising you miracles because it's not going to happen. Sorry to depress everybody. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I just depressed myself. That only took 20 minutes So we have another one here. And actually this one, I can feel literally feel in my heart what she's going through. I'm struggling with hair loss from the particular medication. She did tell us what she's on, but I can't pronounce it. So, you know, um, and it is a medication that I took. Uh, I used to have lovely thick hair and now it's thinning and fluffy, which I think she means like frizzy. So I feel your pain. It's such an emotional thing to go through when you have to take a medication to get you through, but at the same time, you're dealing with side effects. And there's obviously the side effects that other people don't see, sleepless nights and everything, the nausea. But when it starts to become, it's changing your physical appearance, which you see with steroids and the rounding of the face, but then also with the hair loss. And I think as most females, I like part of their hair is part of their identity, at least for myself, it's a massive part of my identity. And it's a really hard thing to go through. I don't have any magical cures in terms of how to, I mean, mine has just grown back over time, but it was a really long time to get that out. And even the texture of my hair was altered from the medication. You can see like the hair changing based on the type of medication that you're having. And then obviously it grows out over time. Did you change the way in which you styled your hair? Or did you wear anything to cover it? If you were feeling quite insecure about it, now that your hair is growing back, but you can obviously you can completely empathize. Because I can imagine if people are going to work and people are doing like social events and stuff and they're having pictures taken or they're in a meeting or whatever you do, you know, you know, obviously your hair is going to be on display. Is there anything you'd advise the, the girls and the guys that would potentially help them and make them feel less insecure about it? I honestly don't remember what I did at the time other than cry, to be honest. Um, (laughs) So that was useful. But looking back now, I think really taking care of the hair that you do have. And there's a hair product that I got cast addicted to. Um, it's so cheap, cheap as chips as the English I love this. Yeah. It's so good. What's it? It's by Gardier, I think. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a banana it's, hair mask. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I think it's like three pounds if you're yeah. in the UK, like $5 here in Australia. So nothing compared to some of the hair products and you can I'm use obsessed. it as a conditioner. Oh my God. Me too. I've been using it for years. It's a miracle. I've been using actually the papaya one because they're sold out of banana last time I went to buy it at the grocery store. Like it's nothing luxurious, but it works so well. Use it as a conditioner. You can use it as a hair treatment. I even actually started putting it in when my hair is damp as like a leave-in conditioner, which has worked amazingly. So I think whether it's that product or any other kind of product to really nurture the hair that you do have and then find a style that works for you. Because I found I was losing hair throughout, but then also my hairline went back quite a bit, which I didn't even notice until it started growing in again. I'm like, oh wow, my hairline like really went back quite a bit. And to the, honestly, to this day, I still notice my hair coming back in and like, I have these weird layers of hair coming back in. So finding a style that works and maybe that's wearing a hat, maybe wearing a scarf of some sort. Cause like scarves are quite in at the moment. Yeah. So wearing like a headband, putting your hair in a bun or in a ponytail. Maybe if you're losing it here, cause I know I have really thin hair here, sir, which really so shows like at the front. People you aren't are? watching us. People aren't watching it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like pointing, no one can see. So no. I've got really, I've got really thin hair, like on my temples, really, really thin hair. So if I wear my hair up, which I do quite a lot, it, it's really random because obviously like I'm not a real blonde. So when my real color hair comes through, which is really dark, um, it looks worse. So I've noticed that like, so that's usually why I wear my hair down quite a lot, but I can't um, obviously empathize with like hair loss as such but I do I have noticed like I've thinned there and I have done for a long long time so I think it's just yeah wearing it and maybe in a way in a way that you'll feel most comfortable with it and like Sarah said with regards to wearing some hair pieces or something and then maybe just I know it's really difficult when you're on medication but taking some um, supplements for the vitamins and minerals that you need for really good hair and skin growth um, might help as well. I have heard good things about, I don't know any, I've never tried any of the supplements for hair growth, but I have heard good things about that. So definitely check those out. We'll link the conditioner or treatment that we both love in the description. But other than that, I think to be honest, it's probably bothering you more than anybody. Like I think you notice it yourself more than other people do. So finding a style that works for you, if you need to get, okay, I lost my shit when my mom was like, we can get you a wig yeah, because of the emotional weight of it. But that makes you feel more confident than do it. Absolutely do it. It's only temporary because once you're able to come off of that medication and from my understanding of when they put me on, it wasn't a lifetime. They wanted me on it for two years. I had horrible side effects and lasted a few months, but definitely like it's not a lifetime. Your hair will grow back. I promise you. I also lost a lot of my eyebrow hair. Did you? Which was quite rough. Was that from the chemo, sir? I think it was a mixture of that and just being insanely unwell as well is what one of my doctors told me. And so ever since I've been getting my eyebrows tattooed. Oh, I didn't know you Powder brow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have this amazing girl here in Brisbane. Because my, I don't have any eyebrows at all. It made a world of difference in bringing back my confidence. I didn't like people seeing me without my eyebrows filled in because I felt like I looked sicker. It's one of those things, isn't it? Like we will say, unless it happens to you personally, sometimes you don't think of the extent of something like hair loss that hasn't happened to me personally. I didn't even think of the eyebrows either. And like that, that must just be such an impact on people's like self-confidence and stuff. And we've talked about this so many times in terms of not looking sick. So therefore people don't understand what you're going through. But for me personally, as I've said, I don't want to look sick. So I don't want people to look at me and be like, she has no eyebrows and her hair is falling out. So I've always tried to maintain appearances and have this facade. So when I felt like I had no makeup on and my eyebrows weren't filled in, like I felt like I was starting to look like somebody that was actually quite sick (laughs) and it was pale as can be because I was low in iron and the hemoglobin was ridiculously low and all of that. So I think for me, just kind of looking like myself really helped to get me through the days. So yeah, definitely just recommend being kind to yourself, being patient and have a play. I mean, maybe find a clip in clip in hair extensions or clip in ponytail, anything like that, that could definitely help. Just invest in it because if it makes you feel better, it's going to make things just that little tiny bit better if it builds your confidence. I think as well, sometimes it's that, I know it's really difficult, isn't it? Because if you haven't, especially if you're work, if you're sick and you don't have much money and things like that, you kind of, it's balancing that, isn't it? But if, for example, you're really, really unwell and you know you're not going out or doing hardly anything, sometimes that investment in something else makes you feel better, even if you're at home, even if no one else is going to see it. Because actually, I'd say the majority of the time we do stuff or, you know, 
our style our hair or put makeup on or dress the way we dress is for ourselves isn't it it's to oh, make completely. us feel good within ourselves etc and like you said say you especially when you're quite unwell it's to just make yourself feel a little bit more in control of yourself isn't it yeah it doesn't have to be really expensive but investing in something will um, maybe make you feel a little bit better yeah. what was the next one babe I feel like I'm never going to get healthy I got diagnosed in May of 2020 and I still haven't found a biologic that works. I've been on steroids basically since I was diagnosed. And that's the only thing keeping me somewhat healthy. But I'm 25, still living at home, and I feel like I'm never going to get better. I always thought I'd graduate college and get a great job and move out on my own. But now I'm too exhausted to care for myself day to day. And I couldn't even imagine being able to hold a job. I just feel lost and scared and like I'll never be able to be a person again. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah, that is really, really heartbreaking. And so relatable. Yeah, 100%. I think even though it, this probably isn't helpful at all. So it was May 2020, right? Sarah, the, yeah. the diagnosis. Yeah. So I know this isn't helpful at all, but but it's still early days. It really, really is. And I think people underestimate these illnesses massively. And again, it kind of goes back to what we we're saying about People, when they get diagnosed, wanting to find like a nutrition plan that's going to be absolutely perfect and work really well and ease and manage their symptoms really quickly. I guess speaking from someone that has had Crohn's for over 25 years, all I could say to this individual is please, please, please persevere and don't think that where you are now, you will be in a year's time or even six months' time or even a month's time. It's really important to focus on your day and focus on literally getting through the next 24 hours, like we always say, and please don't think that you won't be able to do the education you really want to do. Please don't think you won't get the job that you really want to have or do the things such as travel or, I don't know, have children or whatever it might be in your life that you really, really want to do and have had in your short or long-term plans. It might take a little bit longer to get there, but please don't be put off by that. And just remember, like everyone has a completely different journey and everyone else does things in different ways. I know when you're diagnosed with health conditions, it kind of puts a dent in your short and long-term plans and that's inevitable. But please concentrate on yourself and don't put too much pressure on yourself in relation to those short and long-term plans because it's counterproductive. You want to get through your day and you want to work out what's going to really work for you. I know it's really frustrating when medications aren't working and that's why I'd always advise everyone to look at every aspect of their life as well. And I know when you're absolutely knackered and feel so ill, it's the last thing you want to do. But even if you spend like 10 minutes on maybe thinking, okay, I'm going to look into some other self-care tips that's going to help me in relation to managing my symptoms, improving my sleep, um, getting my body moving ever so slightly, increasing that water, do like, I don't know, reading or looking into stuff that you really, really want to do, but on a smaller scale, you'll still get in there, but it will just take a little bit longer. Um, And you might have to reevaluate your plans. You might have to do things a little bit differently. You might have to, your end goals might have to be a little bit different, but my thoughts are, are completely out to you and, and sending so much love and it's a really difficult place to be in and I genuinely just sending so much love to you because I know how hard it is to be in that position. I mean I was around the same age when I got diagnosed and I understand the pain of feeling like your whole life is being derailed. I would say don't get caught up especially with social media and the image that people portray. Don't get caught up in thinking that everybody else's life is perfect and you're completely falling behind because I know how easily it is 
for that to happen to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're healthy, sick, successful, whatever. There's always people that are more successful, more wealthy, that look happier, that their relationships look perfect. So I would say be really mindful of that. And if you can, I know it's incredibly difficult, but it does help me when I get in my head a little bit too much, find things that you're grateful for. I know how hard that would be. I, I remember crying on the phone to one of my friends at one point when I was just not in a good spot. And he was like, tell me eight things that you're grateful for. And then eventually it was like, I have really nice hair (laughs) (laughs) and I like my skin tone and like just ridiculous things, but still bring yourself back to that mindset of finding things that you are grateful for. And it sounds like you do have the ability to live at home. I don't know what the situation is there, but that is something to be grateful for that you do have a family or just the fact that you have food and there's just little things that you can be grateful for. So finding that gratitude daily, even if it's one thing, start with one thing and maybe over time build up to two and three, but that will help adjust your mindset to focus on something good. And it's not easy when you feel like you're in a dark spot, but if you can get there, it definitely helps. You're still in that. I don't know about you, Seb, but I think in your twenties, you're still at that age where you're not that confident within yourself. Like in your thirties, you are, aren't you? In your thirties, you're so much more confident within yourself and you accept yourself and your kind of life decisions and you're a bit more comfortable with things, aren't you? Um, I think in your twenties, you're still, you, you do compare yourself and you do think about your physical appearance and you do think about where are you and what job you're doing and what relationship you have. And I mean, the social media thing is just, this is the negative side of social media, isn't it? Because no one ever really puts up anything negative. I think our IBD community is amazing at putting up those raw, transparent posts about when people are feeling shit physically or psychologically. But 90% of people are always putting up holiday snaps and pictures with happy children, not screaming children and pictures with their perfect partner, but no fights that they've had the day before, probably less than an hour before of taking that photo. There's not a lot of honesty, I believe, on social media. And I think that doesn't help a 20, that wouldn't help a 25 year old. And I think that's a really difficult time for a diagnosis. There's a saying that what if it turns out better than you ever imagined. And a few times in my life, I've paused and I've been like, I never imagined this happening. You just know, you know, when you have those moments and you're like, this wasn't part of the plan, but how incredible is it? And if anything was different, if I didn't end up sick, if I didn't end up in the hospital for X amount of time and all these medications and so on, like I wouldn't be in this spot. And so again, having that gratitude and just remember that no one's life goes to plan. You can plan as much as you want, but the only certainty in life is change (laughs) and you have no control at all. (laughs) Which are particularly shit in the UK, (laughs) just saying. I think when people go through health conditions and concerns, whatever they might be, small or significant, lifelong or or short term, they change your perspective, they change your outlook, they change you as a person. And I believe personally, I shouldn't say for the better, but I think it does make you look at things completely differently sometimes. And I know when you're newly diagnosed, you might not see that right now. But at some point, I promise that you will, and yeah. it will maybe change your perspective on different things and encourage you to maybe explore different avenues that you might not have done before because you were set on doing X, Y, and Z 
before you had that diagnosis. That's just a, you know, again, like a personal thing to me. And I know that every, not everyone's going to understand or or agree with that being said. We definitely want to recognize how traumatizing having a severe illness is like psychologically. I honestly don't think I fully started processing it until season one of the podcast and having that I think it was episode two, no, episode three, that we went into a bit more of my story and not even going too far into the detail, just surface level. Like that was hard for me. I remember after being like, fuck, like that raised so much emotion. And then this season, one of the episodes we have is with my old boss who I used to work for at the time of being diagnosed and that as well. You really start to like process what actually happened. And this is years on. So it's a long road. (laughs) And it's definitely something that will impact your your mentality. And I think it's if you can reach out and get help. Someone that we have interviewed recently said that they immediately got a therapist and started working with somebody to work through the mental health aspect and the stress of having the illness as well as managing stress in day-to-day life. So I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Like, why did I never think that I needed a therapist to get through this massive, massive change in my life that altered every aspect of me. So if you can, in some way, get that kind of support, if not, definitely just start small and try to see the good and give yourself some leeway. Because I think- And is a nightmare because we, we're not patient, Sarah, at all. So no, I, not I, at all. I, so I completely get it. I'm the least it. patient person. I think- um, <laughs> I think the other thing I would advise for anyone, because, you know, it's, it is less than two, two years that this individual has yeah. been diagnosed. Reach out to people that have got IBD as well, because it's the same old thing, isn't it? You can talk to your friends till you're blue in the face. Is it blue in the face? Is that the saying? It's like anything, isn't it? If someone hasn't experienced it themselves, they can be amazing. They can be really, you know, compassionate and thoughtful and understanding and listen and little that. But I do still think that get, get your support network with people that understand it that understand the symptoms, understand the side effects of those meds, understand that frustration and your psychological health is impacted by your treatment plan that you're going for at the moment. Speak to your your friends within that support network who have got IBD, who have tried and tested certain nutrition plans that are like, oh my goodness, when I had the side effect from this medication, this really helped me in managing that. You know, you want to talk to people that are literally experiencing what you're experiencing. And by all means, I'm not saying get rid of your friends because our friends are awesome. But in relation to really understanding our IBD, I think you tend to just have a bit more, it's not more respect, is it? But if someone, you know, that person's going through what you are, you tend to kind of take that advice a little bit differently, don't you? Should we try to get one more in? Do you have any travel tips for somebody with Crohn's? My partner will be traveling overseas for a month. This is his first trip since being diagnosed. Well, 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 you have come to the right place. <laughs> We do. <laughs> if you go back to episode nine, no, yeah, loads. Obviously, insurance. Please make sure you've got insurance. I know it's really difficult because it's really expensive, but please, please, please always get insurance. This person's going with work, so surely at work would sort out insurance in that respect. Um, Can you tell that I'm adjusting my bra right now? Oh my God, it hurts. <laughs> so glad you're invested <laughs> in this question. <laughs> Sarah's like, I'm not talking about traveling because I haven't traveled in three years. (laughs) I just want to take my bra off. I'm jealous. It's Um, 10 o'clock at night, people. Okay. Yes. 
So I do love travel. I would uh, personally, I always take snacks. So my little theory with snacks is, is that if I'm going to a developed country, I know that I'm going to be able to get gluten-free snacks and loads of tea bags and all that really good stuff that always manages my symptoms really well on holiday. If I'm going to a developing country, I'm going a little bit more of peace. I will take my own little snacks. So I'll take some gluten-free stuff, loads of green tea, loads of peppermint tea, uh, happy days that'll keep me going. I would really recommend so much water every single day because your gut's going to be all over the place anyway after your flight. Um, So loads of water, try not to drink too much alcohol. I know I'm such a hypocrite saying that, but it just messes with your gut so much. Try and keep to quite bland foods if possible. I know when you're traveling around, it's really, really easy to be like, oh, I'm going (laughs) to try this, this and this. And I think when when you've got IBD, it's fine if you're in remission because I love all sorts of foods and probably at the moment I'm all right trying all sorts of foods. But if I was in a flare or not feeling too well, I definitely would stick to the kind of rice and chicken and potatoes and salmon or whatever it might be. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this individual drinks tea, but tea for me is like my absolute savior throughout the day, just hot tea. And I think just being a little bit planned and prepared. So if you're going out with your colleagues for dinner, I'd always check out the menu, see what you want to order before you go, because that can be really anxiety provoking when you're going out with your colleagues and you're thinking, oh shit, can I eat anything on the menu so just check it out see what they've got on there you know what you're going to order you know what you're going to drink I think that reduces the anxiety just feel as comfortable and prepared as you possibly can and kind of take uh, it's really difficult when you're traveling for work isn't it because you're flat out you're with your colleagues as well you're not necessarily with people that are completely aware of your health and maybe symptoms that come with that and you know the side effects of your medication etc so I think trying to relax as much as you can when you're not working or not socializing with your colleagues I don't know what sort of work trip this is I know they can be a little bit different depending on who you're going with and what your company's like um but those kind of self-care practices and making sure you're chilled and having good sleep having some nice baths just taking some home comforts I think is really really important like I just unpack and I'm it's like I travel like my little home to another home so wherever I am within the world and my snacks and my tea my loads of water and my my big go-tos yeah what about you sir I think sleep for me when I travel is really important especially going from time zone to time zone so if I can if I'm going if it's a long haul flight and it is a significant time change than flying out a few days early if possible just to let your body adjust and so for instance when I would fly from the UK out to Australia for meetings I would try to come like four or five days ahead of having any client meetings so I could adjust I mean that's a huge time difference for anybody to adjust to let alone somebody that is ill and on medication and everything I know there's some people out there that can lie in any bed and fall asleep instantly I am not that person so (laughs) I like to have things that are familiar to me so I used to always carry the same lotion that was scented the same thing and just put that on my hands at night. I'd also carry lavender oil with me. I know Cass is against like having any kind of eye mask, but I don't get me started on the eye masks again. (laughs) Silk eye mask um, so that it's super dark and just having those comforts. If you can, if you find a water bottle helps and pack that anything that you can bring with you to be comfortable in your surroundings, because depending on the hotel, I'm assuming it will be like a a decent hotel that you'd be staying in or corporate flat or whatever it is. Uh, But you want to make that feel familiar so you can put your body at ease. Because if I find when my body's in a new situation and a new environment, it does kind of tense up, it gets 
it takes a while for me to adjust. It's usually about two, three nights before I get a solid night's sleep in a new environment. So keeping that in mind personally, I like to try and make the place. You can even get like the pillow sprays. I think scent for me is a massive thing. Scents always attach me to experiences. So that for me works, but whatever it is for you, that's... When you travel with colleagues as well, I know when I used to travel loads to work, I was quite, I didn't like go into my health whatsoever because I never really do, obviously apart from the podcast, but you know, it's just like, you know, if anyone asks questions, just explain because it's better for them to understand why you're going to bed early, maybe and not socializing or why you need to eat something a little bit different or why you're not really up for whatever else maybe other people want to do. And I think it's just been a bit, if there's anyone you feel like you can be transparent with, it might not even be your line manager. It might just be a colleague of yours who can have your back, if that makes sense. I think it's just, if someone on your work trip is, is aware of your kind of health condition as well, I think it makes it easier because I think it makes you less anxious. Whatever you feel comfortable with disclosing, you obviously don't need to disclose your medical condition, but definitely having that advocate or somebody that can have your back and be like, oh yeah, I'm not drinking either. Or like pretend I actually, when I waitressed, I remember serving people before the people would come in for work drinks for whatever their reason was, they didn't want to drink alcohol. So they just came to me really quickly on the side, be like, every time I order a vodka soda, can you just bring me soda water with a lime? Absolutely. No problem at all. I didn't question it. I was just like, yeah, sure. So people will help you with that. And you can kind of keep it nonchalant and just have a word with your waiter or waitress. Like Cass said, before time, check out the restaurant, maybe send them an email, however you want to approach it. And find out where the toilets are in the hallway. I always do that. (laughs) So I always find out where the the nearest toilet is to the restroom or the, not to the restroom, sorry, to the restaurant or like where you're having breakfast and stuff. Because sometimes you need to know, sometimes you urgently need to know. And I think, again, if you reduce your own anxiety in relation to the nearest restroom, like, you know, especially if your hotel room's miles away and you need know you need to go, I just think it's just reducing that anxiety, isn't it? So that you can engage in as much as you possibly can. And I know I've said this on other podcasts, so I'm sorry for repeating myself, but I do swear now by not eating on the flight. I swear by it. I will have a really lovely meal before I fly. Obviously not within like 10 minutes, but you know what I mean? Sarah knows I get to the airport like a day before I fly anywhere. Literally people, she's not joking. She is not joking. (laughs) I literally do. I just like camp there all day. But I always have a really nice meal uh, before I fly. And then I know I won't eat anything on that flight. And just for me, for my stomach, it just, well, it helps me during the flight. I don't have any kind of stomach cramps anymore. I naturally drink loads of water, green tea, peppermint tea on that flight, which I think gives my body kind of a good kind of digestive break and then I've noticed when I arrive in whatever destination I'm not bunged up because everyone knows usually when you've flown you're quite bunged up for a couple of days and ever since I stopped eating on flights I've really noticed that that doesn't happen anymore so advice wise I would from a personal point of view I'd really recommend people not eating on flights should they have digestive health problems or also, if you do want to eat, think about bringing your own food on the plane because I would mm. always do that because I've had like 17 hour flights before and not really have many options of what to eat. And then when you are hungry, I mean, 17 hours is a long time to go without food and then not having options. You don't want to give into something that's going to make you feel ill. So having food with you, whether it be rice crackers or whatever it is that you know you can eat if needed, but definitely the water. Oh my gosh. I drink so much water when flying because it dehydrates you so much and it's really bad for your skin as well. So drink water while flying. (laughs) 
and it's you're so right as well, Sarah. I know it's really easy for me to say, you know, don't eat, but like, you know, for example, if you're diabetic, you have to eat, you know, regularly, etc. And there's loads of other, you know, health conditions that mean which mean you need to eat regularly. And some people can't go for that long without eating food. That's fine. Um, but like Sarah said, if you can bring some really nice foods on with you, like happy days, because you know, plain food is pretty shit, even if you get gluten-free or plant-based or whatever you might order, because I always get I've always ordered gluten-free before, but you know, they are a bit patents, aren't they? They're a bit gross and stuff. And always my last tip for travel is always get an aisle seat because <laughs> I'm up and down like anyone's busy because I always pee as yeah. well I've got the bladder of an 87 year old so like yeah. I just pee all the time so yeah always get an aisle seat if you've got Crohn's or colitis and you'll just feel again you'll feel so much less stressed because there's nothing worse than being like excuse me Janet can I go to the loo again because it's just embarrassing isn't it because she's like oh my god what's she doing in the toilet like it'd be so many things <laughs> I actually like the seats by the emergency exit. So you can just get up because I like the view from the window seat, but I don't, like you said, want to climb over people. So I try to get the ones that are like by the exit door. And then that way you can just get up and walk and move freely around. Don't you find though with the, I'm only laughing because don't you find with the exit windows, they get the air stewardesses and stewards get a little bit intense when they're telling you what your role is should anything happen that's all that it <laughs> they makes are you, like, they are definitely it's but like, should I be on your payroll in relation to the responsibility and accountability that you're telling me <laughs> I have right now do you know what I mean because they get really serious don't they like if yeah. this happens you have to do this and I'm like I just wanted the free leg room do you know what I mean <laughs> I feel like I've flown so much though. I just had it memorized, honestly. Like I could get up and do the safety talk. So <laughs> I'd love like, to see you do the safety talk. Oh my God, babe. The arrows this way, the two fingers that way. Oh my God. That way you're great. That way. I love it. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm totally a stewardess. You've got a friendlier face than many stewardesses <laughs> I've seen. Jesus Christ. I mean, I was a waitress for five years. I'm True. all over that shit. Speaking of going to the washroom and people not knowing what you're doing at it. Do you remember the time we were flying back from South Africa and it was like, I was in the window And then I think you were actually in the middle seat and Sam was in the aisle because he's so bloody tall. And so like I got up to go to the washroom and I mean, obviously there's probably, I think there's people ahead of me or whatever. And then I went into the washroom and by the time I came back, Sam was like livid as he is. And he like yells because I had taken too long and whatever. Um, Misery (laughs) guy. And this was like nighttime. The plane's quiet. And he loudly says, what were you doing? And they're taking a shit. And I was like, no, actually, Sam, I am on my period. And I just changed my tampon. (laughs) Oh, my God. He was so embarrassed. He's like, all right. You didn't need to go into that much detail. (laughs) I'm like, um, (laughs) you didn't need to question my bathroom time. (laughs) What a knob. Like, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) we love them I feel like this has been we were going to talk about a few more other things but I feel like this episode is actually quite long yeah (laughs) however we should mention that we have been working incredibly hard on a little project I say little but it's been insanely time consuming um but it's been fun so I'm gonna put in a drum roll because that sounded like shit and did not go to plan (laughs) amazing we're so budget yeah, no, we're still like a drum roll. <laughs> 
Cass and I have been working on a mind and body IBD journal. I'm super so, excited. I love journaling. So like, I'm just like over the moon. Same. And I think we both found that there are, there's journals on the market that will allow you to track your symptoms, like physical activity, your diet, so on. And there's journals on the market that are more about reflection and gratitude. I'm sure everybody's heard of the five minute journal, which I was always a massive fan of. However, there is definitely a gap in the market between combining the mind as well as the body. Therefore, we decided we'd make it for everyone. <laughs> but we wanted to incorporate both. And we wanted to start you off on the month on a great note, prepare for the month ahead. We have some questions, some journal prompts for that. And then starting each individual day with a list of questions and gratitude and aspirations for the day, as well as a nighttime reflection, recording your water intake, how many times you've gone to the washroom, any kind of blood or nausea, symptoms from medication. And then that way you have a record of it. And then again, at the end of the month, being able to look back and see what you've accomplished, more journal prompts in terms of doing that reflection and start your month over again. We are hoping you'll love it as much as we do. It's not coming out yet. We have been working away. We will be releasing it on March 17th, but our website has been updated though. So we do have our mugs in case you wanted a twat versus twat mug, or we have a couple other designs that you can go and check out. And then we will have the option to do like get your name on the wait list. And then as soon as the journal is ready, we will notify you and you can be some of the first people to get a copy. And hopefully, hopefully you like it. Hopefully it helps people because I think it, I'm just rambling on. Do you have something to say? <laughs> I love your ramble. It's great. Okay, oh, I love it as well. I think as well, the journal we kind of had in mind, we created it for people who are currently diagnosed with symptoms, whether you're, whether or not you're in remission or like at the start of your diagnosis period or in a flare, I think it would just help in relation to you understanding your triggers. So whether they're literally situation, people, work, foods, lack of activity, whatever it might be, I think you can journal it and then look back you know, week by week, month by month. But the other thing we had kind of had in mind when we were designing it was for people that have had digestive health problems maybe for a long time and just don't know what is going on. And, you know, we've interviewed someone in this season who has had health problems all her life in relation to her digestive tract. I think her having this journal so that she can literally note down all of the symptoms that she experiences every day, and then she can give to her clinician would really help her with regards to her clinician being able to diagnose her because she's being thrown from pillar to post at the moment in relation to a diagnosis being formally made. And I think these, I'm not just saying this because it's our journal, but I think this journal will help in relation to clinicians being aware of how bad symptoms are, you know, and, and I just think that it's all kept in one place. And actually, if someone's challenging you, or questioning you on your symptoms. And like we know from loads of our guests, loads of clinicians have said, oh, it's in your head or it's something else. And actually, I think if you've got it written down and you can show that clinician or doctor, whatever, um, what's going on, I think you've got it all there and it's something that you can easily refer to every day. Super excited about it. We've been working on it for months. Sarah and I both journal loads. We obviously encourage so many people to journal, not just with IBD, but just for loads of other uh, reasons as well, especially in a kind of self-reflection way and kind of that mind dump at the end of the day and things like that. So yeah, we're really excited about it. We really hope you guys love it as much as we do. Um, and we just really hope it helps. 
yeah, I think any gastro issues whatsoever it would work for. Yeah, really any kind of stomach issues. But then the the mental health, because we know how crucial it is to have that mental health aspect as well when it comes to being being chronically ill and what an impact that has on your mental health. We've tried to incorporate that quite a bit throughout the journal. Mark your calendars, March 17th. Get on the St. Patty's Day. Now. Oh, is it? I did not know that. Have yeah. a Guinness and order your journal. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to episode one of season two. We have a lot of exciting interviews coming up with a range of different people. So we're going to have people with obviously IBD, other hidden illnesses, experts, and some of our family and friends to make you have a bit of a laugh at cast. Which I've regretted <laughs> make sure. from day one. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode and follow us on Instagram at pop to the loo podcast for a bit more content on a daily basis and some behind the scenes images. Yeah. Everything will be linked in the description so you can find everything there. Love you guys. Love you.